0: Chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. One of the five discourses or teaching sections that you find in the Gospel of Matthew. And here in this teaching section, Jesus addresses the question of the disciples. Notice in verse 1 it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Notice this question that is asked. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Here Jesus responds to a question. A question from his disciples about who is the greatest. Now we understand that the disciples, they must have been caught up in that question All throughout Jesus' ministry. Because we see it occur not only here but in other cases. They must have discussed this among themselves. They must have talked about it. Somehow they wanted to know how they would rank in the kingdom of heaven. That is when Jesus set up his kingdom here on earth. And many of them thought it would be this anti-Roman utopia that Jesus would set up. This new government. Many of them probably had processed it that way. And they were thinking to themselves. What position... Will I hold when Jesus sets up his kingdom? Who, who will be the greatest? Now, you can only imagine the disciples that were engaged in this, right? That were engaged in this discussion. For example, Peter. Matthew chapter 16, Peter had uttered this great confession. He had said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus had said, Yes. And it's upon this rock that I'm going to build my church. So Peter must have thought to himself, I'm a prime candidate. I'm a prime candidate to fulfill the top position in that government. Maybe he thought himself the prime minister of the kingdom of heaven. But you could only hear John in the background, almost as he would say, Now, hold on, Peter. Remember, there have been more than one time that you put your foot in your mouth... You might not be the best representative. How about the beloved disciple? You know, I'm the beloved disciple, the one Jesus loves. And perhaps John would have cast his name into the fray. And it could have gone on and on and on. But the question was, who will be the greatest? Don't you just love that? That here Jesus is, he's teaching them, he's trying to get them to walk in this positive way, He's trying to call them to take up their cross and follow Him. He knows that it will not be long till He will take up the literal physical cross and that He will demonstrate the sacrifice for the world. And what are they doing? They're arguing over who is the greatest. So what Jesus does is He sees this little child. Perhaps the little child was running around there in the midst of His sermon his message maybe it was it was just on the periphery and he got that little child and he he brought that little child up so i tell you what i'm going to do so something a little bit different but i want to do this today i'm, I'm going to bring a child up here and and i'm going to bring one of my children up here right because they're some of the greatest right <laughs> ret come on up here buddy now i told ret that he was going to come up here uh i told him last night come on buddy you can go faster than that i've seen you run bud Come on. He wasn't excited about this, by the way. Wasn't excited at all. Come on up here, bud. Have a seat right here. All right? You okay? You good? Now, look, I love all my kids, by the way, right? Red asked me this morning, why did I get picked? (laughs) Some of you may not know this, but I have four children. Uh, Abigail, who is 12. Hayes now is 10. Uh, Rhett Ainsley is in the back terrorizing our extended session workers. Uh, she is three and Rhett, how old are you again? Six. You're six. And when will you be seven? This week? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. He'll be seven years old this week. Uh, what happened to your teeth by the way? You made smile for them. You may not be able to see, but he doesn't have the two front teeth there. Can you say this thing thrash that thing? Can you say that for me? No, we're not gonna do that. I promise you. He asked me. He said, "Don't embarrass me, please, don't." I? He asked me last night and this morning, "What kind of questions are you gonna ask me?" So, let, let let's just go on with it, okay? Let let's um, let's uh, m- let me ask you a question or two, okay? Is that good? Yes. Sir. And then you go back to be with your mom. Is that the best thing? Yes, okay. Okay. Let's say we're going to take you to Sunday school in a minute, right? Yes. You always go to Sunday school after worship? Yes, sir. Shouldn't they go to Sunday school after worship? Yes, sir. Yes, I think so. And when we drop you off in Sunday school, uh, do you think that your mom and I, that we'll come back and pick you up? Yes. You do? Why do, why do you think that? Huh? I don't know you don't know you just you just believe i will right that's a good answer you're playing along good because this is going to play into my sermon i'm proud of you you're getting the right answer so far um let's say uh when we get ready to uh go home from church okay and i tell you i say hey we're going straight home do you believe me yes you're thinking about that one a little while though (laughs) Let's say today, do you think that I will feed you today or your mom will feed you today? That at some point today, you will either have lunch or supper, you think probably? Yes. You don't think I'll make you go without food the rest of the day? No. (laughs) If I say, let's go to Wendy's, I think we're going to go to Wendy's. We're going to do that. Would you be excited? Yes. And you'd probably go, yeah. Well, and maybe the last question here, because... You're starting to fade on me just a little bit. Um, If I say to you that we're going to Disney World in a month or so, would you believe me? No. You wouldn't believe me? What if your mama told you that we're going to Disney World in a month? Because we're going in a month, don't you remember? You would believe me. Well, anyway, all right. Good enough. Y'all, thank Rep for coming up. You, you can go back. You can be my mom. You know, uh, there Jesus was. He was teaching. This serious type of conversation that he's having with his disciples. He's answering a question, and I love the way Jesus does this because he uses an object lesson. I mean, he, he's just looking around. That Jesus is good at this, right? He, he's teaching, he's preaching, he'll look around, he'll see something that will resonate with the everyday person and he'll say, hold on just a minute, let me, let me give you an answer and let me, let me demonstrate it to you in this way, a way that you will remember. He says, hey you, you little, uh, little boy, little girl, he said, why, why don't you come up here just a moment. And it says that he set that child there in the midst of them. And as they're thinking about who the greatest is, who will be the one that will assume the top position of the government, Jesus said, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, unless you become like this child. So get this this morning. When I tell you that your child is the greatest, I want you to hear it in this way. I want you to hear that your child is the greatest example of the kingdom of heaven. Your child is the greatest example of what it means to come into the kingdom of heaven. What does it say about this example? What does it say about the kingdom itself? It says that the greatest example of the kingdom is found in humility and trust. It's found in humility and trust. By by your simply deciding that you will believe and that you will humble yourself before the holy God who has called you, that you would believe. Now look, God has not called us simply to be childish, right? We know a lot of believers who are childish. And Paul, he dealt with childish believers in his letter. But what he was calling us to do was to adopt a childlike faith, and humility. It's amazing that our children depend upon us and they trust us most of the time, right? <laughs> they depend upon us. I asked that question about eating today because you know what? When we go home today in my household, we will have lunch and then at some point we will have dinner and our children know Our children know that we will eat, okay? They know that their parents will provide for them. And they just trust that. They don't get up every morning and say, you know, is this the day we will eat? Do you you think we could have lunch, supper? Now, they may ask about going to Wendy's. Or they may ask about going to a certain place. But there is an expectation that we will have lunch and dinner, for example. There's an expectation, there is a trust that our children have in us. Now think of that, transfer it to our relationship with God. Think of the expectation, think of the trust that we should have in the Father who cares for us. Think about that childlike trust. Think of it in terms of provision. If he is our father, and if he loves us dearly, then my friends, we can count upon him to take care of our daily needs in our lives. So many of us, we run around sometimes thinking to ourselves, well, how will this be taken care of? How will that be achieved in our lives? But listen to me. Just as a child trusts his father and mother to take care of him and to provide for him and to feed him, my friends we can trust the Heavenly Father to take care of us as well. We can have that absolute trust and faith instead of arguing over who's the greatest and over, instead of arguing about the pride issues. God allows us to simply trust Him and to humble ourselves before Him. Children were not necessarily esteemed in the first century world, They were not looked at as significant players in the culture. They were just children. And yet, Jesus esteemed them. And Jesus took this child, and he elevated this child as an example of the kingdom of heaven. Later on, you'll look in chapter 19, children will come again to Jesus. The disciples, the disciples who have heard this analogy, who have heard Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of heaven, these disciples will actually try to reject the children that come. They'll try to put them off. You know, Jesus is too busy. Jesus, I mean, this is the Savior. This is the Messiah. This is the rabbi. He's he's taking care of business. He does not have enough time. Just move along. And what does Jesus do? He says, let those little children come to me. And it says that he takes his hands and he blesses them. He esteems them. And he demonstrates how they are the greatest example. The greatest example of the kingdom of heaven. Every time we see a child, every time we see our child, every time that we witness their faith and their humility... It needs to be a reminder to us of how we should respond to the Holy Father above. It should be a reminder to us what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is interesting that if you read verse 3 again, and you see where Jesus says assuredly in the original language that is amen. means listen up, this is true. You know what the word amen means? you don't use it very often i just wonder if you knew what it <laughs> assuredly amen literally in the original language i say to you unless you are converted and become as little children that idea of convert is that unless you turn yourself it is in the tense which means that you have to make a decisive break in your life you have to make this decision that you will turn and you will humble yourself and that you will trust in such a way. It is a powerful word that is used to speak about our decision to simply trust him and humble ourselves. I think Jesus uses that word because he knows that most of us are given to the area of ego and pride. I mean, if we're just naturally going about our business if we're naturally going about what we want to do, I can almost guarantee you every time we will adopt an attitude of pride, we will adopt an attitude that embraces ego. I can almost tell you it's going to happen. We're going to become selfish. We're going to be talking about power issues and structures and all those kinds of things that speak to us. If we're just simply going along about life, but if we make this decisive decision, if we decide that we are going to trust and humble ourselves to be as a little child, to humble ourselves before God, it can make a difference in who we are and in what we are. Notice Jesus says that your child, or any child, is the greatest example of what the kingdom of heaven is like but then he gives a warning some of you have perhaps just joined us uh, in this series that I've been preaching tough words to hear I've been talking about some of the tough things that Jesus said hard sayings of Jesus is how they're identified by some scholars but I want you to hear the these tough words I mean these are hard sayings these are offensive sayings To some people. But look at what he says. Verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones. Who believe in me to sin. Would be better for him. If a millstone were hung around his neck. And he were drowned in the depth. Of the sea. It's hard to imagine. Jesus would even say such words. I mean. When you think of Jesus. And you think about his love. And his compassion. You don't really think about. These type of words coming out of his mouth. And yet, notice what he says. He says, if you cause cause one of these little ones to stumble, to sin. The word there is the word "scandalon," which we get the word scandal from. In other words, it is a stumbling block. If If you cause them to stumble... He says there are, severe, there, are severe, re, there are severe consequences to our lives. It's amazing to be able to hear Jesus' seriousness of how we are to respond to that responsibility that God has given us. You see, it is the greatest responsibility in this context that Jesus gives us to be able to lead our children in the right way, to be able to lead others who have trusted in Christ in the right way. This power of influence, it's amazing. We can all have a power of influence, right? A sphere of influence with different people, but especially our children. I've been watching the uh, baseball playoffs. Some of you have been watching some of that. Man, this is one of the greatest times of year on Saturdays. I me mean, watch baseball. You watch football. You, I mean, it's just awesome. I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Some of you hear me talk about my Mississippi allegiances a lot, but I love St. Louis. Why do I like St. Louis? Because my dad liked St. Louis. Exactly. Now, I know when I was growing up, the Atlanta Braves, they were they were playing so well, and they looked good to so many people in the 90s or so, and they were winning a lot of games. And a lot of people got on the bandwagon. A lot of you may be Atlanta Braves fans. That's, that's fine. Sorry for you, but that's fine if you want to do that. But my dad, he was always a St. Louis fan, and my dad always said St. Louis was the team of the South. And I was thinking, Dad, Atlanta, St. Louis. He said, Son, when I was growing up, there wasn't an Atlanta Braves. There were only the St. Louis Cardinals that we would listen to. And somehow, because of his connection to them, I started following them. And I still root for them to stay. It's amazing how it influence even over a baseball team. Now, I'm working on my children, okay, trying to influence them toward the old Miss Rebels. I'm trying to. When I was in Zachary, though, so many of them, especially the older two, in Sunday school, they taught them this go tiger kind of thing. And I cannot quite get it out of them, the influence that's there. It's amazing the influence you can have. Think about the influence we have over our children, even as it comes to, like, sports and those kinds of areas. Then let me ask you this. How much influence, or maybe I should ask, how are we influencing them for the kingdom of heaven? Because if we recognize that we have that kind of influence, how are we we influencing them? How are we pushing them toward the kingdom of heaven? Now, I know what some people are going to say. They're going to say, oh, I'm just going to let them make their own decision. Well, let me just say this to you. They'll make their own decision at some point. But as children, God has placed them under your influence so that you can direct them the right way. And it is important that you influence them toward God. Well, I'm going to let them make their own decision about going to church. Really? Really? Yeah, because when I was younger, I heard people say that They went to church so much that they didn't want to go to church when they got older. You heard people say that? I love what Jerry Vine says. Did they stop taking baths as well? (laughs) Man, when I was growing up, they made me take a bath every night. And you know what? I just decided I'm not taking a bath anymore. Think how ridiculous that is for a moment. All of us can find excuses i 'm not saying people don't say that i 'm just saying all of us can find an excuse, but what i 'm saying to you when it comes to me and my household, I pray that I have influenced them in a way that points them to God and a way and not a way that points them away from God. God wants us to have that influence. He says here, if we though cause them to stumble, and I do believe he 's talking in context of these children. He says there are serious consequences. He uses this idea of the millstone around the neck and then thrown into the water. This idea of the millstone. You can, again, imagine this huge stone that would be connected to this animal, this donkey that would go around and round, and it would somehow uh, produce what was necessary. This great millstone, huge, tied around the neck, he says, and cast to the depths of the sea. He said, be better for you. The seriousness, the seriousness of influencing our children toward the kingdom of God. Every day, my friends, every day, I am reminded of the serious business of raising children. Every day, I'm reminded that there is a culture that is wanting to claim them for their own purposes, for their own reasons. Every day, I recognize there is one we call Satan and his enemies that come against the family and that would love nothing more than to steal the hearts and the minds of the generations to come. And yet, God has allowed me to be on the front lines of this battle. He's not allowed me to face it alone, but rather He has given me the power of His Holy Spirit in my life. He has given me the strength that I need. He has given me the wisdom that I need so that I can come to those children, those those children that He has given me influence over. He allows me to point them in the way of life and truth. How significant it is for us today in the culture in which we live. I hear so often, I hear so often different ones explain how they believe we can take the culture back hear all kinds of reasonings, and some of them may have some truth involved. But I truly believe the way we're going to take our culture back is by those of us presenting the gospel, not only to other individuals, but presenting the gospel to our children, reminding them of the good news of Christ and the love of Christ and the expectations of Christ leading them in the right way so that one day they will be the cultural warriors to see a difference to see a change in our nation simply said you want to see a different nation raise different children point them to god Allow the revival not to start, well, it will not start in the White House. But allow the revival to start in your house. And see what a change and a difference we can make as godly parents raising godly children. The greatest example as a child, one of the greatest responsibilities is the child would we be faithful to the task let's pray Father we pause before you this morning and Lord we praise you we thank you again for the children grandchildren that you've given us collectively and God we pray that when we look at them Lord that you will remind us of our own relationship with you and God, we would embrace that childlike humility and faith in our lives. Father, I pray also that you would just remind us of the great responsibility that you've given us. with their children, our grandchildren, the generations to come. The gener- Lord, the responsibility to point them toward you. God, I pray that you would just give us the wisdom, discernment, and strength. I pray for these families that have dedicated themselves this morning. But Lord, I also pray for every one of us in this place that we would commit our lives afresh and anew to this task and responsibility. Lord, we love you this day. We pray now you just speak to us through this moment of reflection and invitation as we respond to you. In Jesus' name.